Welcome to Backlog Books. My name is Kara. My pronouns are she, her. This is the podcast where I spend a little time talking about what I've been reading lately. Please be aware that there will be spoilers for the book ahead. Whether you are an 85 books a year reader or a one book a year reader, thank you for joining me. Today, I am going to be talking about a book that I have had on my shelves for almost 10 years, I think. I know I read it back then, but I couldn't remember much of it. I decided it was time to read it again to make sure that I really wanted to keep it on my shelf. Let's get started. Today, we are talking about East by Edith Patu. Here is the summary. Rose has always been different. Since the day she was born, it was clear she had a special fate. Her superstitious mother keeps the unusual circumstances of Rose's birth a secret, hoping to prevent her adventurous daughter from leaving home. But she can't suppress Rose's true nature forever. So when an enormous white bear shows up one cold autumn evening and asks teenage Rose to come away with it in exchange for health and prosperity for her ailing family, she readily agrees. Rose travels on the bear's broad back to a distant and empty castle where she is nightly joined by a mysterious stranger. In discovering his identity, she loses her heart and finds her purpose and realizes her journey has only just begun. East was published in 2005, and my copy has 507 pages. I read it between July 3rd and 8th in 2020. Our author, which I checked her website and it told me how to pronounce her name, Edith Patu, writes primarily a young adult fantasy and published her first book in 1991. She published a sequel to East, aptly named West, in 2018, which I have not read. This book is a retelling of a fairy tale. I wonder why it is that I enjoy retellings of fairy tales, but when a movie studio decides to reboot a franchise, I hate it. Maybe I'm jaded because of the three different takes on Spider-Man that I can remember. But on the other hand, I liked the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, and I'm looking forward to the next Batman movie, where Robert Pattinson is gonna be a new Batman. I guess we each have stories that we're willing to hear time and time again, and stories we'd rather only hear if they're a new take and not just a shiny new version. I do love fairy tale retellings, and I feel like I've seen more and more of them pop up in recent years. This is Patu's take on the Norwegian fairy tale known as East of the Sun and West of the Moon. I will include a link to a PDF version of the original tale in the show notes for the curious. East is set in our world. There are some magical creatures and events, but it is mostly normal life for 16th century Europe. We begin after the story has already ended. Rose and her brother Nettie introduce us to this fantastic event from their childhood, this white bear coming to collect Rose. Nettie is putting together letters and testimonials from family members and asks Rose to tell the whole story from start to finish. As we begin this tale, you're not quite sure of a happy ending. Rose talks about her regrets and how she did great harm to the person she loved most. You may already know that fairy tales vary wildly wherever you find them. 
There are the obvious examples of Grimm's fairy tales versus Disney, but it goes back further than that. Fairy tales began as purely oral stories. In fact, many stories can be traced back to before written records exist, so some versions were never written down, and they changed with each telling and with each person who passed it along. Happily ever after, never guaranteed. Stories hold an important place in this book. The stories parents tell their children, the stories children tell themselves. Fables and legends, the folk tales of different cultures. Everywhere we look in East, a story is being told to someone or by someone. We have a few narrators here. There's Rose, her brother Nettie, her father, the white bear, and the troll queen. Rose's father and brother tell the beginning, the story of Rose's birth. Rose's mother holds many superstitions, and the main one is that the direction you face as you give birth determines what your child will be like. I tried to look this up, but most of my results referred me back to this book. Her mother was told by a fortune teller that any north-born child of hers would die buried in snow and ice. Understandably, she did not want to have a north child. But when Rose is born early, her parents are on a walk and it's stormy, so they don't know the direction until after she's born. Though she's northborn, they agree to tell her and everyone else that she's eastborn. Rose's family used to be explorers and map makers, but due to difficult circumstances, have recently become farmers. Around the time Rose finds out the truth about her birth direction, her family farm is failing and her sister is very sick. Then there is a knock at the door and a white bear is there. I can't imagine opening a door and seeing a polar bear. He offers them health and prosperity. All he would need in return is for Rose to come away with him. She agrees to go over the protests of her father and brother. Her mother, however, seems weirdly okay with this deal. From here, the narrative becomes mostly Rose's words. She is taken away and lives in a magic castle. It's just her, the bear, and two servants who are obviously not human. The reader knows that they are trolls, and that trolls will often steal away humans who are loners and make them slaves, but Rose isn't quite sure what they are beyond not human. She does her best to befriend the younger servant so she can figure out what's going on with the whole bear and magic castle situation. She has some success, but most of what's going on is still a mystery to her. Through accounts from her brother and father, we learn that the family's fortune has turned around very shortly after Rose left. In the way of things, they believe that it was just their luck finally changing and had nothing to do with the white bear taking Rose away. We're never actually given a clear answer for this. Rose and her mother believe that the bear was responsible, and her brother and father believe the opposite. Given the fantastic nature of the rest of the narrative, though, probably we believe it was the bear. Interspersed with Rose's telling, we have the white bear, who thinks in very simple, short phrases. He's hopeful that she'll help him do... something. We also have the Troll Queen's narrative, and through her, we find the real beginning of this tale. 
how the queen found and fell in love with a human child and decided to steal him and fake his death against her father's wishes. The penalty for doing this was that the human she stole was turned into a white bear and was given the opportunity to reverse his curse. He had 150 years to find someone to willingly live with him for a whole year who would not look at his human face. And he turns back into a human at night when he is sleeping, to be clear. As this story begins, we are nearing the end of his allotted 150 years. Breaking the curse probably would have been a lot easier if he didn't crawl into bed with the person living with him every night. Leaving aside the <laughs> serious boundary issues here, Rose does very well, not knowing anything. She makes it almost a full year with someone sleeping next to her without ever knowing who they are or what they're doing. During this year, she keeps as busy as she can, I don't blame her. There's a library and a music room, and so she plays music and reads stories to the white bear. They become friendly companions, even though the bear can barely talk. Mostly, Rose spends her time weaving. She makes three beautiful dresses and refits her plain clothes. There's a good line in the book about how magic makes things easier, but it's the mundane, actual, physical doing of things that makes them worthwhile. Eventually, though, Rose can't handle it anymore. She's having horrible nightmares, and she's lived with this mystery for almost a whole year. She lights a candle in the darkness in her room and looks at the person she has been sharing a bed with. The narrative slows down for a minute as she sees a human face. She'd expected to see the white bear. Because of her action here, he's taken away. It's basically instant. The troll queen swoops down in a magic sleigh and takes him. There's this frustrating thread in many fairy tales where someone is expected to act quote-unquote correctly or break a curse without knowing what's going on. They must persevere for a certain amount of time or stay out of a room, but no one will tell them the truth or even that there is a specific time limit. The person always falls prey to curiosity. That's just human nature. They light the candle or they open the door or they eat the fruit. If someone handed you a box and told you not to open it, just keep it for a while, they'll be back. And then they were gone for a year or two or longer. Could you do it? Maybe now, when there are so many stories in our collective histories about not taking that risk, not opening the box or lighting the candle. But on the other hand, maybe not. After all, there are just as many stories about the box being an empty trick or the creature beside you being a hidden monster. Rose decides very quickly that she will follow and rescue the man who was the white bear. She blames herself for his being taken away. The only clue she has is his parting words, that he's being taken somewhere east of the sun and west of the moon. Title drop. This basically means that he doesn't know where he's being taken. Rose, full of determination, heads north. Her journey is long and arduous over land and treacherous oceans. But everywhere she goes, there are people who help who listen and believe her story about a white bear being turned into a man and stolen away by trolls. 
While Rose journeys, the Troll Queen is preparing for a wedding. Oh, how nice. She drugs the white bear, hoping to make him forget his past human life, and gathers all of her people together. She knows they will struggle to accept a human as their king, but she's determined. She's waited 150 years for the white bear's curse to be fulfilled so that she could claim him. Rose makes it to the troll lands through sheer luck and the generosity of so many people. She sneaks into the troll's palace and works as a slave. The trolls have a habit of stealing solitary people and enslaving them, like I said earlier, and they keep these people constantly drugged and constantly working. Rose has enough time before the wedding to learn about the trolls and to make a tentative plan to steal the white bear away. Now, I keep saying white bear. At this point, he is a human again, but Rose never learned his name, so she just thinks of him as the white bear. She has also, at this point, come to terms with the fact that she loves the man who was a white bear. Obviously. What, did you think they weren't going to fall in love? With the help of the young troll servant she befriended back in the white bear's magic castle, Rose manages to stop the queen from drugging the white bear. He begins to remember a little of his own life. The day of the wedding, he stops the ceremony and makes a simple request that the queen wash a garment for him, and he announces that he would only marry whoever can clean said garment. She is a queen. She has never washed anything in her entire life. But she agrees. Part of this curse is that no troll can refuse a request the white bear makes of them. She tries and tries, but can't do it. In steps Rose, disguised. She made the garment back in the enchanted castle, and she cleans it easily. Furious, the troll queen gathers her strength and her magic, and she strikes. In her rage, she ends up destroying her own castle. Rose and the white bear and everyone else are buried under snow and ice. It seems the fortune teller was right. Except, instead of dying, Rose survives. The troll queen had gathered all of her people for the wedding, so the destruction of the palace probably killed most of them. In fact, Rose and the white bear appear to be the only survivors. Presumably, we can point to this as an explanation for not having trolls in our present. This isn't explored at all. Our story was about escaping from the troll queen, not the effects of random troll kidnappings and enslavement of humans through the years. Throughout this whole book, Rose's brother and father have been looking for ways to help Rose or bring her home. They haven't stopped thinking about her or abandoned her just because she's gone. After receiving a letter from Rose, they set out after her and arrive just in time to meet Rose and the white bear on their way back from the land of the trolls. Pleasantly, Rose and the white bear don't both assume the other wants to be together. It would be better if they had an actual conversation about this, but it's nice for them both to think, I can't assume this person wants to be with me just because I broke their curse, slash they broke my curse. The white bear decides he has to figure out who he used to be. After all, he was a bear for 150 years and then drugged for several months by a troll queen, so his memory is a little shaky. He goes without telling anyone. 
Rose, true to her character, chases after him again. Bless her heart. They reunite in the castle where he spent his years as a bear, and they finally have that conversation about their feelings. Their tale is wrapped up here. We get a simple postscript about their life together after this, where and how they choose to live, and enough to let us know that they were happy together in the end. My final word on East. I had a blast. I was rereading this book, as I said, to see if I still liked it, and I do. Pleasant storytelling and a good story. It is a long book, but I wasn't ever bored or tempted to put it down. If you want more media like this, you are in so much luck. Fairy tale retellings have been very popular in young adult books recently. Uh, a couple that I enjoyed were Beauty by Robin McKinley and The Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer. And that's the end. Join me next time to hear about A Thief. You can find the pod on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast. Comments, questions, do you have a favorite fairy tale retelling? You can email me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. The music is by Joseph McDade, and you can find more at josephmcdade.com. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope to talk with you again soon.